could we not be more entertained? We have so much more NFL news to talk about today. Could you believe it on uh, this new episode of WFS, The Will Ford Show, episode 158. So we've had Russell Wilson move to the Denver Broncos. Khalil Mack is traded to the Chargers. Aaron Rodgers re-signs with the Green Bay Packers. And now there, there's just so much more stuff to talk about today. So the Dallas Cowboys traded away their best wide receiver for practically nothing. My take on that as a Cowboys fan here in just a little bit. Tom Brady, out of nowhere, coming out of retirement after retiring, what, like six weeks ago? Um, So I'm going to start off with that, but then there's other miscellaneous signings that I'm just going to touch on briefly at the end of the show today. Um, My dad, Joe Ford, not coming on the show for this one as promised, but he will be on uh, in the the following episode. Things just had to get reworked around, but he will be on the show eventually. It'll be in the next one, not in this one today. Wanted to address that up top. But Tom Brady's coming back. What? Uh, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty surprised because I felt like Tom Brady wouldn't make a decision of that magnitude to end his football career if he wasn't absolutely certain he was done. But apparently, he was a little unsure. And so I don't know why Tom Brady, at the end of the season when they lost to the Rams, uh, you know, in, in the divisional round of the playoffs, why didn't Tom Brady just say, hey, I'm going to take a couple of months with my family, think about this. And like I, I am truly uncertain if I'm going to come back for a 23rd season or not. I could retire. I don't know, but I'm going to take two, three months to figure it out with my family and I'll get back to you and I'll make an announcement of whether I'm playing or I'm retiring then. He retired not long after the season and then, or not even, uh, he retired actually before the Super Bowl. And now we're six weeks removed from the Super Bowl and Tom Brady's back. So I, I I really truly wonder how dead set Brady was when he initially retired. Because I feel like Brady doesn't just make you know, rash decisions or change his mind abruptly like that. It'd be one thing if he had retired, you know, after the season, like he did, and then when the season starts next year, he just misses the misses it too much. You know, there are a couple games in and he decides to come back. Or maybe he sits out a season and comes back next year, which I think would be unlikely. But, I mean, it, it would be one thing if he did that. But to retire and then come out of retirement he, uh, less than two months later, um, it's kind of, a, kind of a weird little situation. And it makes me question how certain Brady was that he was done and that he was going to retire. And maybe he truly was done. And then when he was talking about it with his wife, Giselle, and his kids, you know, I think he, he wanted to stay at home and be around more because obviously his kids are getting older and he's going to be turning 45 here soon. Um, uh, he's missed out on a lot already as a dad and as a husband. And the more he plays, the more he's going to miss out. But I, I truly don't think Tom would have came back if he didn't have the blessing of his wife and of his children and everyone else in his support system to come back and play. And Tom Brady is not one of those people that just does things half-heartedly. Like if he's going to come back, I would like to think he's he's all in 100% and he's going to be the same disciplined, regimented Tom Brady that we've seen for 22 years. So coming back for a 23rd season, 
it's pretty significant for the Bucks because when he retired, obviously they were considered, you know, depending on what they did at quarterback, not a playoff team anymore. Unless you maybe traded for like Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson was out there, Aaron Rodgers at the time. Unless you did something, you know, to bring in a new quarterback with substantial talent, the Bucks were probably going to be at near the bottom of their division, the AFC South next season. But now Brady comes back. And I don't think Brady would come back if he didn't think that the Bucks had plans to make sure their roster is all neat and tidy before training camp starts. You know, free agency is starting here today. The new league year starts today. So free agency starting very soon. Obviously, players have been signing, but this is kind of like the, the tampering period. You're allowed to do so. But then free agency kind of officially opens here pretty darn soon. And I don't think Brady would have came back if he thought the roster would be there, there would be a lot of question marks and so he's coming back the one person who did leave Ali Marpet a 28 year old offensive guard one of the best guards in the league retired uh, it's mostly due to injury and uh, concussions and obviously that's that's a major thing in the NFL and in sports in general you gotta protect yourself upstairs and so Marpet's done and he's gonna be with his family and not put himself through any more beatings or punishment. And I totally get it from that standpoint. And he should absolutely retire if he feels that's what he needs to do. But it does leave a hole for the Buccaneers nonetheless. And what did the Bucs do when Brady came back? They went out and traded a fifth round pick for Shaq Mason from the New England Patriots, an offensive guard. So you immediately replace Marpet. They re-signed Ryan Jensen to a, a team-friendly deal. Um, he could have absolutely cleaned up in free agency just you know, given the caliber of center he is. And uh, he came back on a, I mean, still expensive, but slightly team friendly compared to what he could have gotten on the open market from other teams. And so Brady's coming back. And I think this makes the Bucks the, the one of the top two teams to beat in the NFC. I think the Rams would be right up there, assuming that they bring back the majority of their pieces. We'll see what they do in free agency in the draft. And then I think the Bucks are right there. Anytime you have Tom Brady on your team, I don't care what else is around him. You got a shot. So I I think this thrusts the Buccaneers right back into Super Bowl contention. Tom Brady said there's unfinished business, whatever that means. I mean, he's got three MVPs and seven Super Bowls and pretty much every passing record known to man. (laughs) What do you mean unfinished business? He's a bad man. He's going to do it again. And my guess would be this this is the swan song for Tom Brady. I think this is where he lays it all out on the line. All the chips are on the table. He's going all in. And really, Tom Brady has nothing left to prove. I mean, we are he's undisputably the greatest football player we've ever seen, greatest quarterback of all time. We know this, but he always just has something to prove. And uh, that's what I love about him. I consider him the world's greatest American, America's greatest American. He's unbelievable. Unfinished business. Never heard of that when it comes to Tom Brady because he's, it seems like he's closed the door on pretty much Every possible discussion when it comes to statistical categories, Super Bowls, MVPs, this, that, the other. He's done it all, and he wants more. Mad respect to him. They trade for Shaq Mason. The offensive line is going to be fine. And uh, they franchise tag Chris Godwin. This Bucks team is going to be right up there with the top teams in the NFC. Um, and and really, it, it's good that Tom Brady's coming back for the Bucks. In the other sense, too, like the AFC is clearly the more talented conference, roster-wise, but even just quarterback talent-wise. 
in the NFC, the top quarterbacks are Tom, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, oh, I, I, Dak Prescott would be up there, Kyler Murray, and like that's that's really about it. I mean, when you think about it, there there's not that much else out there in terms of, of uh, elite quarterback talent. But in the AFC, I mean, you got Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Those are just the young guys. Then you have Russell Wilson now, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson. The list goes on. Josh Allen. There, There's so much more talent in the AFC when it comes to elite quarterbacks. The NFC, it's pretty much wide open. And so Tom Brady is coming back to a wide open conference, can easily win the NFC and win his eighth Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset, which I assume he would do after this year. I think this is the final season, 23 years for Tom Brady. He said he wanted to play to 45. He'll turn 45 before the start of the new season. And I think he will live out that hope, that dream. And for Tom, I mean, it was what was expected. So super exciting. That's that might, that's the biggest news of it all, just because Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. That's the biggest news of the offseason. Unreal. Now, I want to shift to the Dallas Cowboys because the Dallas Cowboys have really flubbed up this offseason to this point. And the problem that I have, and I've talked about this several times, including in the last episode, whenever you are looking to get rid of a player, whether that's for financial reasons or maybe they just don't fit what you want to do anymore, maybe their production hasn't been to the level that you want it to be, whenever you want to get rid of a player, Never say that you would be willing to cut a player if you can't find a trade partner because that immediately diminishes the value that you're going to get back for that player probably by at least 50%. The Dallas Cowboys traded Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns for a fifth round pick and then they swapped sixth round pick. So essentially the Cowboys got a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper and I think Cooper is easily a top 15 receiver in the league. I think a top five route runner as far as just getting open one of the better guys in the league with quick releases. And you only got a fifth? I thought he was, I mean, you traded away a first to the Raiders to get him. I thought he was worth at least a third. At least. Maybe even a second for the right team out there. And you only got a fifth. Why would you even say you'd be willing to cut Amari Cooper if you don't find, well, they, they said they were going to cut him first. Then they tried to find a trade partner. Well, no wonder he ain't going to find any trade partners for him or at least partners that are not going to give up too much for him because you just said you would cut him. So why wouldn't I just sit there and wait for Amari Cooper to be released and then I can go out and and go get him? I I just don't understand why the Dallas Cowboys did that. They're doing that right now with Lyle Collins. They said they were going to cut him. Now they're going to try and trade him. It immediately diminishes all value of a player. You're not going to get anywhere near what the market dictates you should get because you just said you would release him. It doesn't make any sense. For the Browns, this is just an absolute steal. I mean, you, you gave up a fifth for him. And I'm going to talk about the quarterback situation in Cleveland here in a minute. But let's just assume Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback going into next season. If Baker's a starter, you're giving him Amari Cooper, one of the best route runners. So Baker doesn't have to throw him open. Amari's going to get open. And all, and all Baker has to do is just throw the ball in the general vicinity. And Cooper should be an open enough to go get it. Really, you're, you're giving Baker Mayfield now a shot to be productive in his final season on his rookie deal on that fifth-year option. You're giving him a chance. You can't just roll out nobodies and expect Baker Mayfield to put up good numbers and then be mad at him because he didn't. 
you got to give him some talent, just like any quarterback in this league, maybe outside of Tom Brady needs some talent. So, I mean, for the Browns to only get him for a fifth, that's a steal. If I'm the Cowboys, I would have rathered a box of donuts or a bag of Doritos because at least I can sit and eat those while I cry because you gave him away. I mean, goodness gracious me. It's just ridiculous. And then on top of that for the Cowboys, they lost Cedric Wilson in free agency. It was three years, $22 million with the Miami Dolphins. That might be slightly pricey. Maybe that's more than the Cowboys were willing to pay, but... I would have really tried harder to get him done because then CeeDee Lamb is now your number one. He had 70-plus catches, 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. That's obviously going to increase with Amari Cooper gone, assuming he stays healthy. And then Michael Gallup, you re-signed. And now Cedric Wilson's gone. So now you don't have a number three wide receiver. So you have to go to the draft now or free agency. You know, the Browns cut Jarvis Landry when they brought in Amari Cooper. So do you go get Jarvis Landry? I doubt it, but you need a number three. You need somebody, and unfortunately, the Cowboys are going to have to go to the draft. It's a deep receiver draft, but you already had good receivers. Why do you have to mess with it? Why do you have to waste a draft pick on a skill position now when you have greater needs at offensive line, especially at left guard, because Connor Williams left. I, I wanted him gone anyway, but Connor Williams is gone, so you need someone to fill in at left guard. You know, If Lyle Collins ends up being moved this offseason, you're going to need a right tackle, and eventually you're going to need a replacement for Tyron Smith because... He's on his last legs. He's got one, maybe two seasons left, and then I think Tyron Smith is done. So you need to draft the eventual replacement. Big needs on the offensive line, but now you have an even greater need at pass rusher. The Cowboys signed Randy Gregory to a five-year, $70 million deal yesterday, and then Gregory said psych and signed the same deal elsewhere with the Denver Broncos. And supposedly it's the Cowboys' fault because they tried to change the language of the deal or something like the money was all there in the years, but they tried to change the language of the deal. And Gregory was like, screw this. I'm just going to go play elsewhere. And so the Broncos snagged him. Kudos to them. The Broncos have had a terrific off season trade for Russell Wilson, bring in Randy Gregory. I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good. The pass rush, I think was the one weakness of the Broncos defense. You just addressed it right there with Randy Gregory, who yes, struggled with the suspensions and the weed and the, and the drugs the first few years of his career. But since then, he's really settled down, and he's become the player that everyone thought he would be when he came out of college, out of Nebraska. Cowboys fumbled the bag there. The Dallas Cowboys are a worse team today than they were last year, and I don't think they're going to make the, the playoffs. I, I don't think they'll win their division with this roster is currently constructed. They've got to use those draft picks. Their first-round pick, I don't want it to be on a receiver, but it might have to be, and then you got to get pass rushers. you got to get offensive linemen. And the Cowboys are a great drafting team, but I don't know. There's too many needs they, they have to address, and I don't know past rounds one, two, and three how many starting quality players there are out there. I mean, it's truly trying to find a needle in a haystack once you get to rounds four through seven. So I know the Cowboys have a great scouting department. They do a good job of drafting, but you're going to have to have an A-plus draft this year in every round, every pick in order to make up for what you've lost this offseason because, quite honestly, Cowboys have really, really fumbled the bag this offseason. And I just don't understand why they're waving their players around as potential free agents instead of trying to find trade partners first. Once that gets leaked, trade value is gone by 50%, and it just doesn't make any sense. Um, now, going back to the Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns, quarterback situation, 
Reports are that Deshaun Watson is cleared to play. He's not facing any, you know, criminal charges for the, uh, I guess, the sexual assault charges um, and the stuff with the massage therapists and all that. He's not facing any criminal charges. Uh, he's still facing potentially up to 22 civil lawsuits. But as far as legal trouble, you know, he it seem, he seems to have been cleared of that, which is good news. It means that maybe Deshaun Watson was more innocent than we initially thought. I'm not going to really dive into that. I don't know enough about that to speak knowledgeably on it. But he is cleared of those legal troubles and can play. I'm sure he's going to be disciplined by the NFL through the conduct policy. We'll see how that all shakes out. But now Deshaun Watson has met with four teams, the Cleveland Browns, the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, and the Carolina Panthers. To my knowledge, all those Southern teams like the Panthers, Saints, and Falcons are kind of near the top of his list because he's from down South. So, you know, he's from Atlanta, playing in Atlanta. It might seem like a a dream spot for him, just playing at home. The Falcons, though, not a terrific roster. Uh, Calvin Ridley is out for uh, at least a season. We'll see if that changes. You have Kyle Pitts, but the offensive line isn't fantastic. You don't have a great running game. The defense is kind of meh. I really wouldn't want to go to play for the Atlanta Falcons. And if you're the Falcons, what are you giving up in terms of draft compensation to go get Deshaun Watson? Um, So, wouldn't do that. And the Texans appear to have their man in Davis Mills at quarterback, so they're not going to absorb Matt Ryan in a trade. The Carolina Panthers, I think, would be pretty interesting. They really they need consistent quarterback play. Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, seems like he's rarely ever healthy, but when healthy, is a top two or three back in the NFL. Uh, you have DJ Moore, who is a young star receiver that I think is coming into his own. And the offensive line, it's improved, but it's still not good. And then the defense... Just a lot of young players. If Deshaun Watson's there, I mean, certainly the, the Panthers can compete for a wild card spot in the NFC South. They'd be right behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. New Orleans Saints, not sure how they go about trading for Deshaun Watson with their cap situation. I know that they've been pretty much strapped for cash for the last couple of years. Would be very interest, interested to see how they land Watson if they can. And honestly, if the Saints get Deshaun Watson, it's an even better fit because they already have a great defense that was coached by Dennis Allen last year. Now he's the head coach. Michael Thomas should be coming back from injury. They're not getting rid of him. You have Alvin Kamara, good running game. They could lose Teron Armstead, their star offensive tackle. But if Deshaun Watson's coming over, maybe Teron Armstead resigns. I think Armstead would be very interested in that if Deshaun Watson's coming to his team. So that makes the Saints very, very dangerous if they can acquire Deshaun Watson. That makes them a huge threat in the NFC South, possibly to win the division. I would say minimum wild card, and that would be a far better fit than Carolina. The Cleveland Browns also have, I think, a playoff-ready roster, a roster that's ready for a Super Bowl run because you have good running backs. You have a good offensive line. David Njoku's coming back at tight end. Amari Cooper now good pieces on defense. Now, if you're trading for Deshaun Watson, you're not going to trade Baker Mayfield away in that deal because, again, the Texans have Davis Mills. Do you have to trade a couple of your defensive pieces away? What picks do you have to give up? I don't know, but Cleveland is also, I think, a, a good fit. But the AFC is super, super competitive. And I just don't know where the Cleveland Browns would fall when you have 
Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr and the Raiders, even though they're dysfunctional 97% of the time, they somehow always find themselves in the playoffs. Cincinnati Bengals are coming off of a Super Bowl berth. The Chargers have improved immensely, and Justin Herbert is a superstar. Lamar Jackson's going to be coming back from injury. There's just so much there in the AFC. I don't know if Watson would want to stay in the NFC and go to the Browns. I Honestly, I do believe the Saints or the Panthers, out of those four teams, would make the most sense. I think the Saints, if they can figure it out with their cap situation, I think it's perfect. I'm very interested to see how that shakes out, how that goes down. But I think what I would most like to see happen as far as a competitive standpoint you know, for Deshaun Watson, it's going to New Orleans. As a Cowboys fan, wouldn't love to see it. I'd rather stay in the AFC and go to the Browns. But you can't deny that the fit in New Orleans would be perfect. And then a couple other notable signings here. Christian Kirk, I think, got way overpaid by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Four-year, $84 million deal, $21 million a year to go to Jacksonville. It's a big overpay for a guy who's mostly known as a vertical threat, but he could break out as the number one receiver with Trevor Lawrence. The Jags also signed Brandon Scherf, three-year, $52.5 million deal. An aging but still really good offensive guard, right guard, so you can plug him in. And honestly, that probably changes things for the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of what they want to do in the draft. A lot of people thought that they might go offensive line with that first overall pick. A guy like Evan Neal from Alabama. There's other offensive lineman prospects out there that are equally as good or maybe even better than Evan Neal. Does that change things for them now Now that they have Scherf? Do they go Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher from Michigan? Um, and they also just cut Miles Jack, too, to free up some money. So they might go defense, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they do now that they've landed Scherf. The Baltimore Ravens signed Marcus Williams, a safety from the Saints, five-year, $70 million deal. I think it's a little bit of an overpay. I don't think Marcus Williams is an elite safety, still a good safety, uh, and still relatively young as well. And so obviously, I mean, it's it's still a good pickup for the Ravens, considering how banged up they were on defense in the secondary last year. So bringing in Williams, you're adding a really good player, but hopefully you're going to be pairing him with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey and Chuck Clark, hopefully that defensive secondary, I think that could be really good next year now that you're adding Williams and if everyone comes back healthy. And then last but not least, Mitch Trubisky getting a starting job, potentially, we we think so anyways, with the Pittsburgh Steelers on a two-year deal worth $14 million. This is a chance now for Trubisky to kind of reignite his career a little bit. I don't know if I, I this deal, the Steelers are telling you with this deal that Mitch Trubisky is their bridge quarterback for at least a year, maybe two years. That's why they're not paying him that much money because if they do end up getting a quarterback next year, or maybe they draft someone like Kenny Pickett to sit behind Mitch Trubisky this year and then he takes over next year, they're not tied to Mitch Trubisky with a bunch of money and they can move off of him with relative ease. Trubisky, though, is 29 and 21 as a starter, two playoff appearances. He wasn't awful. He's he's limited with, with his arm strength. He can't push the ball downfield, but he's athletic, super mobile, makes plays. And he was doing that in di- dysfunctional Chicago. Now he's going to a well-run, well-coached team, Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin. 
The defense is great, like it was in Chicago for Trubisky. He's got great weapons. I mean, Pittsburgh probably drafts receivers better than anybody. They somehow stumble into receivers, you know, in the second, third, fourth round, like every year, and they turn into pretty good players. So Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, if he resigns, and then Deontay Johnson, good weapons. Najee Harris in the backfield. The offensive line is really the only problem. It's like having a wet napkin blocking for you up there. But, you know, Trubisky, as athletic as he is, he can make that work. And honestly, I think what the Steelers should do, given that it's not a very strong quarterback class, don't draft a quarterback. Unless you feel really strongly about one, don't draft a quarterback. Just wait. Bide your time. Draft offensive line with your first two or three picks. Because that's honestly what you need. And the Steelers, I think in a couple of years, once they find their superstar quarterback, I think I think the Steelers are going to be pretty good. And I, I think today, you know, the Steelers made the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger aging, breaking down. They made the playoffs with Big Ben this this past season. And I think they're better today with Mitch Trubisky. So you you could honestly see the Steelers back in the wild card position by the end of next season. I really wouldn't be surprised at all. That's how well run and well coached their team is. It's how good their defense is. Good weapons. Trubisky's athletic. And he's athletic enough to make up for the inadequacies of the offensive line. What other news is there? I don't even know. There's probably a lot of stuff I'm missing, but that's all I'm going to talk about with you today in episode 158 and going to get reactions to some of the offseason news, particularly cowboy related with my dad, Joe Ford, here in the next episode, 159. But new league year starts today, I think at 4 p.m., so look out for that. But oh my goodness, what an offseason. This is probably the best offseason we've ever seen in the NFL. Crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll see you in episode 159. Make sure you follow me on social media at The Will Ford Show on Twitter, on Instagram at Will Ford Show, and on TikTok at The Will Ford Show. Posting new TikToks almost daily, so check that content out. See you in the next episode. It's WFS, The Will Ford Show. <laughs>